Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Friend. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and we have got All-Star Games. All-Star Game circuit has begun. The Shrine Bowl is on the precipice of beginning out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, and to get us ready for the All-Star Game circuit, we, have, we're, we are welcoming in this week for Mr. Relevant, Eric Galco, who is the director of the Shrine Bowl. He's going to get us through just players that he thinks that we're going to be buzzing about uh, in a few days after practices have concluded out in the desert. We're going to go position by position, names that, that will stand out here to to, uh, analysts and fans alike as they watch out what happens there at practices at the Shrine Bowl. Just some names that you want to keep an eye on there as we get through that event. After that, we've got Draft Buzz, where Ben Fennell and I, we go through six players for the Shrine Bowl that have something to prove, so we'll talk through that with Ben. We've also got a new mock draft from Mel Kuyper at ESPN. Those are always must-reads. There's a couple of notable uh, selections there in that one, including who the Eagles take at number 10, so you do not want to miss that. We're going to break it down later in the show. As always, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us a mock draft, leave us rankings, whatever it is, we will get to it here in an upcoming episode. That said, let's get to Mr. Relevant. It's time to talk Shrine Bowl with Eric Galco. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to be joined this week once again by Eric Galco, who uh, has been on the show a number of times. You know him from the East West Shrine Bowl. Eric, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate it, Fran. I'm excited. It's Shrine Bowl week now. Players arriving. So we're, we're off to go for my second Shrine Bowl, the 98th annual Shrine Bowl, man. That's awesome. Uh, a couple of, a couple away from the century mark here. And obviously, look, this is, is going to be a big one. There's a lot to be excited about uh, with this game. And I almost wanted to kind of go position by position and just get you an elevator speech on a player or two you're really excited about uh, going into the week of practice. Who's a player that, you know, fans that are just getting introduced to the pre-draft process don't know a ton about these players that they'll know more about when the, uh, the week's events in Vegas are concluded. And we'll start at quarterback. Uh, I know there's a couple guys out there that you're really excited about. Uh, who would be at the top of mind here for fans? going into this process yeah i think the two the two names that around the league have pretty unanimous draftable grades if not top three top four round grades are aiden o'connell of purdue and dorian thompson robinson of ucla both guys really experienced aiden o'connell reminds me a lot of jimmy garoppolo very similar body types play styles actually the same private quarterback coach so simulators are there for sure and then dorian thompson robinson I hate to use the term Brock Purdy too much, but a lot of similarities in terms of a guy who's played four and a half years of college football as a starter, has seen a lot of stuff, can improvise, really smart leader, et cetera, that kind of made Brock Purdy a favorite of NFL teams in the Shrine Bowl a year ago. I think Dorian can be that, but likely be drafted ahead of Mr. Relevant this year, too. And then one guy to watch out for, uh, Tim DeMorat of Fordham. He broke the FCS record for touchdown passes in a season this year. Okay. I think he's got a good chance of being drafted, but also a good chance to be a guy that NFL teams like quite a bit. Uh, you mentioned Brock Purdy, obviously a name that Eagles fans are uh, are well aware of at this point, getting ready for Sunday's national, uh, NFC title game against those San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Eric, who's a running back? Obviously, running backs, uh, there's a long history of guys from the Shrine Bowl finding NFL success at that position. Uh, who's a running back or two that people should be excited about? Yeah, Travis Dye of USC. I think yeah. NFL teams are really excited to see him play this week after getting hurt during the season. He's worked his way back, and he's he's just about 100% now. We'll see how much he can do in the week of practice, but he's got a chance to be, I think, one of the more talented running backs in the entire senior draft class. And then I think one to watch out for, Jordan Mims of Fresno State. Mm. He's kind of a really complete, smooth, pass-catching, pass-blocking, interior running back. I think every NFL team, he's a guy that every team likes. I'm curious to see how much he kind of 
moves up NFL teams' draft boards. But again, I haven't talked to a team that doesn't have a draftable pick on him so far this process, and I think he'd be a guy that a lot of teams like and that pushes him up on draft day. You mentioned Travis Dye. Uh, what's the upside there with him? Obviously, you mentioned the injury that kind of cost him a little bit of his, of, uh, you know, some of the buzz that he would have had at this point otherwise. Uh, but how do you view his projection to the NFL? Yeah, super explosive. I think he's a great interior running back that can finish and break tackles and elude at the second level. But I think he'll show during week of practice, hopefully, if he can kind of be at 100%, it shows him that unique out-of-the-backfield ability, right? Last mm-hmm. year from USC, Keontae Ingram was a guy that didn't do a whole lot of pass catching in college and was really, really smooth during practice of the Shrine Bowl. I think that could be Travis Nigan this year as well. I love it. Well, let's go wide receiver because there are a bunch of names that uh, I'm very excited about uh, that are playing receiver uh, out there, whether it's the East roster, West roster. Uh, I don't know how you're going to pick a name or two, but I'll, uh, I'll give you your best shot. Who do you like here most of that position? Yeah, I, I like all these guys equally, but I think Zay Flowers will be a first-round pick out of Boston College. He'll really impress this week of practice. I think two guys you'll hear more about at the NFL Combine in a few weeks, Jacob Copeland of Maryland. Don't be surprised if he runs a low 4-2 when it's all said wow. and done. And then two guys on the West team, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, and Justin Shorter. I've been joking. It feels like there's an 80% chance one of these two guys is DK Metcalf in a few years. They're both incredibly talented, incredibly physical. They'll test well at the NFL Combine as well. But those are three names I think you'll learn more about the Shrine Bowl. I think they all end up going top 100 along with Zay Flowers, A.T. Perry of Wake Forest, and probably yeah. a few more. Yeah, you mentioned Zay Flowers, potential first-round pick. Uh, I would say probably the uh, the favorite to be the, the first guy drafted at this game. I don't know if that's uh, you know how you feel as well, but what is it that sets Zay Flowers apart? What makes him that kind of caliber of prospect? Yeah, I think for one, I mean, the elite speed and the downfield tracking, I've kind of compared him to a mix of Deshaun Jackson, has that rare ability to finish downfield in traffic for a small receiver, but also has maybe not quite the same elite speed as Jalen Waddell, but the same ability to top off a defense. I mean, the fascinating thing about Zay Flowers is this year at Boston College, he was not only their best offensive weapon, most games he was their only offensive weapon. And for a guy at his size to consistently get separation, to consistently get 50, 60, 70, 100 yards in a game, score touchdowns, sometimes scheme, but also based on his separation, that's going to bode really, really well for him as a rookie. He'll be able to get separation against all types of coverages right away in the NFL, despite being a shorter receiver, because he has that elite speed, but also has the experience to get through multiple type of defenses. You guys had a number of tight ends last year uh, that were drafted and in the middle rounds and went on to find uh, early NFL success. Chiga Conquo, a big, you know, probably the, the biggest name from that group uh, from the University yeah. of Maryland, goes to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, what about this year uh, from that group? Who stands out to you there? Yeah, I think Luke Schoomaker, Michigan, will be the first one drafted. He's a complete wide tight end. He'll be a comfortably a day two pick, maybe as early as the early second round with a good week of practice and a good draft process. But a guy every team likes can fit into any single offense, can be your tight end and 11 personnel, can be a 12 personnel, one or two tight end. But really, really impressive player that was a big part of Michigan's offense this year. And I'd say to watch out for Blake Whitehart of Wake Forest. Mm. He's kind of my expectation. He's not maybe as freakishly athletic as Chico Congo was, but a very similar style of player, a good athlete. I think he'll impress during practice of the Shrine Bowl and have a good NFL combine as well. Offensive line is a huge group, obviously. A bunch of names there, and I hate to ask you to boil it down to just one or two, but uh, <laughs> offensive linemen, I mean, look, you look at uh, just the, the different traits that can show up here, the one-on-ones, obviously big. Who's a guy or two that, that you expect to stand out this week in practice? Yeah, a lot of really athletic offensive tackles. I'm fascinated to see how they do against our talented pass rushers in practice, but a couple names Carter Ward of Pitt, another yeah. guy like Travis Dye, coming back from injury. He'll be here healthy, ready to practice for NFL teams all week long. He has a good chance to be, I think, one of the top senior offensive tackles drafted with a good draft process recovering from injury. Ricky Stromberg, center from Arkansas, plug-and-play center for NFL teams. He'll be a guy battling for a top-hundred pick when it's all said and done. His teammate, 
Dalton Wagner, also at offensive tackle. He's played both left and right tackle in college. He'll do both the Shrine Bowl as well, though. A few names I'm excited to see in the week of practice, but I think those three guys have a good chance to be three of the higher drafted ones during the week of practice. Can I ask you about Carter Warren? Because this was a guy yeah. that I studied in the summer. I was I was really impressed. I thought he was one of the best senior tackles, one of the best senior offensive linemen. I thought he was really smooth and pass pro. Wanted to see some improvements uh, in the run game, but obviously in that all-star game setting, those pass rush one-on-ones, I mean, he should shine in those kind of situations. Absolutely. He's he's physically impressive. He's dominant when he gets his hands on guys early on, too. He can really finish as a left tackle, as a pass blocker in space against guys coming back inside. So I think he's a complete offensive tackle. I'm with you, uh, Fran. I, I think Carter was one of our top offensive tackles coming in the year, and he's worked his butt off to get healthy for the All-Star game process, too. So I think a big week here at the Shrine Bowl, again, puts him in contention to be one of the top, if not the top, senior offensive tackle in this draft class. We had Dane Brugler on the show earlier this week just talking through the, the depth of this class, and he said that pass rusher, uh, the number one position in this group. So I'm excited to hear who you think will give those offensive tackles the most trouble this week over the course of the week of practice. A lot of good pass rushes to choose. A lot of guys that do different things. A couple yeah. guys I'll chime out. One, Tyrus Wheat of Mississippi State. A lot of NFL teams like him. If you don't know him quite yet, go study him. I think he's got a great chance to be a top 100 pick comfortably based on how teams view him and how he does during the week of practice. Robert Beal of Georgia. He's kind of worked in a rotation in that Georgia really talented defensive front seven, but he's been productive. He made plays in the playoff games. I think he's an NFL-level pass rusher right away and maybe pass, uh, rotation beyond. And then Jose Ramirez of Eastern Michigan mm. and Caleb Murphy of Ferris State, both smaller school Michigan guys, but teams really like these guys. Caleb broke the all-time record for sacks at the D2 level, broke uh, Matt Judon's record. So a guy who's had some success in the NFL broke his record. And then Jose Ramirez of Eastern Michigan, turning the tape on him, dominating speed rusher, can counter back against guide. I think he'll give offensive tackles fits all week in practice. Yeah, the size uh, is a limitation there for Ramirez, but he makes up for it in a lot of different ways. And Tyra Sweet, he's been on the radar a couple of years now just because of how athletic he is. I know he's been uh, a multiple-time yep. freak lister for Bruce Feldman over at the Athletic. How about the guys in the interior of that defensive line? Yeah, P.J. Musser of Penn State, a guy NFL teams like a lot as a plug-and-play, ready-to-go NFL nose tackle. But a couple guys on the uh, East team that are bigger body guys, uh, Keandre Coburn and Broderick Martin, Coburn of Texas, Martin of Western Kentucky. I think Eagles fans, you watch Broderick Martin and you watch him closely during his college film and now at the Shrine Bowl, you're going to see some Jordan Davis. Maybe not as athletic, but a lot of similar stuff he can do. And he's not a guy that had a lot of sack production in college, but he's able to make guys, set guys up for success. So I think he and Coburn as nose tackles be important to watch this week of practice. And then, of course, Moro Jomo, who's played a lot on that Texas defensive line in a couple spots, and he'll get a chance to show NFL teams he has true versatility in the NFL. Love it. All right, well, let's get to uh, the second level on defense here. The off-ball linebackers. Uh, it's always tough at times to be able to get a sense of these guys during practice just because of the, you know, the limitations in terms of the different drills. But who are the, some of the guys you think will stand out, especially in some of the, uh, the, the pass coverage situations? Yeah, Amari Bernie of, of Florida is really athletic. He'll be one of the more athletic players yeah. at the Shrine Bowl in terms of all positions, not just that linebacker. Uh, both NC State linebackers, Drake Thomas, Isaiah Moore, different kind of players, but both NFL-ready plug-and-play at the very least rotational, maybe starters. I bet one of those two guys ends up being this year's Jack Sanborn, of a, a rookie linebacker from the mm. Shrine Bowl, starting right away. But the guy to watch out for, Mo Diabati of yeah. Utah. He is going to be one of the most athletic players at any position at the NFL Combine. Our, our, our buddy Kent uh, Mathbomb is going to have him. He'll be a 10-0, <laughs> at the Combine at its pro day. Wow. I think he's a guy I'm really excited to see how he plays in practice this week. Yeah, another Florida guy that made the transfer over to Utah yep. and blew up for the for the Utes this year in that defense. Uh, he's a guy to watch, certainly stuffs the staff sheet with those athletic traits. Yep. Uh, that's going to catch a lot of eyes. Going to the secondary here at corner, uh, this is another position group that's really deep in this senior class. Uh, who are some guys that stand out in your eyes? 
couple of really good athletes, Terrell Smith of Minnesota. A lot of teams like him. He's a long, physical, athletic corner. We've seen those be kind of even more in vogue than they were the last couple of years in the NFL right now. He's a guy to watch. And then a couple of good nickel corners on the East team. Keytrell Clark of Louisville for our, our opinion. He's one of not the best nickel corner in the entire draft. Deshaun mm-hmm. Jamison of Texas will do outside corner, nickel corner as well. And then Jim Thorpe winner, Trey Hodges Tomlinson. Um, will be a nickel corner outside corner as well, too. So a lot of good nickels on the East team and a lot of really good athletes in the West team, just how it shook out. I was just set to ask you about Deshaun Jameson, but I got to ask you about the Thorpe Award winner. I mean, Hodges Tomlinson, yep. uh, a guy that is he's, the, the size is going to be a question for a lot of people, um, but you can't question the ball production and the instincts. Uh, he has been so much fun to watch. He's going to be athletic, too. He's, yeah. uh, his teammate from a year ago, Darius Washington, was a really good football sure. player as well, but some of the speed athletic concerns kind of what plagued him, and he's still in the NFL now, too. I think Trey... Has a lot of that same ball production, ability on the perimeter as a tackler, short area covers, protecting vertically, but he's a really good athlete. He'll test very, very well. I think he's going to be a guy the teams want to see, hey, can you play outside corner consistently all week long in practice and, and win battles there? Can you dominate in the slot against speed guys and quick guys? He's done it in college. He did it for one of the best teams in the country. But I think NFL teams leaving here might want to see, hey, can this Jim Thorpe winner be a plug-and-play starter and an early day two pick for us? Uh, at safety, I've got a name or two I'm excited about, but I want to hear who, who uh, is at the top of your mind. Uh, who stands out to you from the safety class? Uh, I would say the one guy that stands out above maybe everybody else, as it stands right now, Javarius Owens of Houston. Really physical, dynamic, smart football player, leader for that Houston team. I've talked to Javarius many times. He's super hard on himself, and he had some plays he wish he had back this year at Houston, but he's going to be a guy teams, you know, he won't be a green guy. He's not going to be a linebacker, but teams are going to trust him to kind of lead their defense whoever drafts him on day two. So one of the more athletic, talented safeties in the entire class, and I think he'll have a good week of practice here as well. Yeah, and you love the safety with the corner background, and Owens uh, certainly has that. You can follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Galco. You want to make sure you're following the Shrine Bowl, at Shrine Bowl uh, on Twitter. There's going to be a lot of updates here with the, with all the practices that kick off uh, on Friday. Eric, really you know, best of luck to you guys the rest of this week, the next few days. I know you're excited to get the event underway, your second one, like you mentioned. Uh, best of luck to you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, so we're going to keep our discussion of the Shrine Bowl, which starts again uh, on Saturday with practices out in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, here with Ben Fennel for Draft Buzz. Ben, um, I want to take it a different angle here. Obviously, we just talked with uh, Eric Galco about some of the top players uh, that are taking part in the event here this weekend. But uh, let's now transition to who are you going to have eyes on? Who's got something to prove here? Uh, a handful of players that, you know, in your eyes can uh, can help themselves with what they do out in practice field. Yeah, and something to prove can mean a lot of different things, but it typically comes with some sort of asterisk or situation from your college career, whether it's a position switch, whether it was a usage, whether it was a school change, yep. um, whether you want to project them to another spot uh, for Sundays and to start to get a little taste of that. So something to prove. Let's start first and foremost. How about Jack Coletto? at Oregon State. Most approve, because I don't particularly know what position he's lining up in mm. in the Shrine Bowl. This is the Paul Horning Award winner this year for most versatile player in college football. This is a high school quarterback that came to Oregon State as a fullback, running back, quarterback, moved to linebacker, moved back to offensive side of the ball, special team stalwart. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's a smart, good-looking football player that I think can do a lot of different things depending on who you ask and what you want from him. He's 6'3", almost 240, athletic, smart, versatile. I'm just excited to watch him. I think he's got a lot to prove down there. Yeah, he, he's a player that certainly with all the different hats that he's worn over the course of his career, anytime you can get that guy into a uh, practice setting with, with an NFL staff and get a sense, all right, well, how do they view him? And, I, and some people are going to view him differently, uh, but certainly an, an intriguing name there. Who would be number two on your list? Let's go Antonio Maffi from UC. 
UCLA, who this offensive line unit was a Joe Moore Award semifinalist. So this is a no slouch unit blocking for uh, Charbonnet for a lot of the last two years. This kid's very powerful. He's a very balanced player, very under controlled movements, but he's a converted defensive tackle. Showed up to UCLA about 400 pounds. He's down about 60, 70 pounds. Really good-looking body. Just seems to be getting better and better each season. A lot of buzz behind this kid. I'm expecting a really strong week, and I think his best days are ahead of him. I was a little surprised that Eric didn't bring him up in the last segment. Obviously, you know Carter Warren deserving of praise. You know some of those other the Arkansas kids certainly, yep. but uh, Antonio Maffi. There is a little bit of buzz there, and uh, some of the highlights from this kid. He was all conference for a reason in terms of uh, what he can do from a physical standpoint is impressive. Oh, he's an impressive looking kid. He's got strong mid, strong lower half. He's not an, a, a crazy exceptional athlete, but he plays very under control. If you're on his path, he will ruin you and finish you. So there's some other guys to prove. Let's lump three guys in together. Okay. I'm just going to label them the Gator Castoff. Mm. These are guys that have all been with the University of Florida at some point, but some issues and, you know, turbulence throughout their career. So, you know, that starts with Brenton Cox, the former Georgia transfer, went to Florida for the last three, four years, had some turbulence this past year. I think he left the team or was dismissed from the team. But this is a twitched up, rocked up, souped up pass rusher that really struggles at the point of attack against the run. So you're going to see him dominate some one-on-ones with spin moves and all sorts of cool pass rush antics. Let's see how he holds up in the run game and where you think he could play him at the next level. The next guy, Mohamed Diabate. He's a very explosive, rangy, loose linebacker. Transferred to Utah for his last season. This guy that showed up on the freak list for running 4-5-1. There's some rumors that he's a 4-4 kid now, almost a 10-4 broad. He's speedy, showed off some more blitzing and pass rushing out in the Pac-12 this year at Utah. Really interested to see how he fits, and maybe he's a hybrid safety at the yeah. next level. So he's a really interesting player. And then Kadeem Telfort, that's left tackle at UAB. Remember, he was caught up in that credit card scandal way back when at Florida. Remember the pass rusher also was at Florida in that Jordan Smith last year. We're 22 for UAB. Also ended up theirs. But Kadeem Telfort, not going through his whole tape or profile. All you need to know. Dwayne McBride, the running back, huge production. Yeah. Well, someone was carving those lanes. A lot of it was Telfort. The other thing, 37-inch arms, 87-inch wingspan. Wow. This guy brings some things that you can't teach or coach. He is a massive prospect. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, I mean, there's an outstanding frame along the offensive line. Uh, an interesting player. And Diabate, we talked about with Eric as well in the yeah. last segment. And one last guy, Makai Gardner. I think is a really interesting corner. He spent his last season at LSU as a three-year starter at Louisiana Lafayette. But I think he's more of a zone corner. If you keep his eyes in the backfield on a cover two, cover three, maybe a side saddle bail scheme, he looks really good. Just struggles in press. A little clunky with footwork, but he's really zone instinctive, really good tackler. Reminded me a little bit of a warrior coming out of Penn State. Yeah. Long story short, I think he should switch positions. I think he should be a safety. So these are the types that I think have something to prove. And what else can you do for your team on Sundays? Mm. Well, it's a, a certainly like a, um, a huge event here for a lot of these guys and a, a really good show showcase to be able to prove what they can bring to the NFL. Uh, before we get into our mock draft for the week, I want to uh, first just ask you, who, who have you been watching? Because I'll tell you what, I watched a corner that's going to be down uh, in Mobile or set to go down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl next week. Julius Brents, uh, the corner from Kansas State. Um, he transferred in from Iowa. I believe you first had watched him, had gotten eyes on him uh, when he was out there with the Hawkeyes, but uh, made the move to the Big 12 and became a two, two-year starter out there uh, for the Wildcats. Got outstanding size and competitiveness. He's a little bit leggy. Uh, I think his Speed will come under fire a little bit. The burst will always be a little bit of a question and that ability to close. But uh, I think this guy could be a top three corner for an NFL defense all day. Um, He reads routes really, really well from depth. Uh, At the very worst, 
I think he could be like a really useful big nickel and like tight end matchup guy. Like, uh, you know, can, can he do like what J. Ron Curse has been uh, for, the, for the Cowboys? Like, he probably can be that. It would not shock me if some people viewed him as a safety down the road, but uh, I do think that um, this guy f- will find a role uh, for an NFL defense. The lack of production does worry me a little bit, especially with how often they throw the football in the Big 12. I expect a little bit more from him um, in that standpoint, but I really like him as a football player. Just for recency, where does he stack up with like a Tariq Woolen? Uh, you know, that came he does out not last run, I mean, that's the thing is Woolen was like that, that big, but yeah. ran 4 2. This right. kid's going to be in the 4 5. So, interesting. Be my guess. Okay. Like, and that's, that's going to be the question with him. Yeah, I need speed. to catch up on his 2022, but he's been on my radar. Didn't play much at Iowa, but uh, certainly has been on the field with the uh, Kansas State uh, Wildcats recently. Let's stay in the cornerback conversation. I've been trying to knock out these guys and stack them where I can. Emmanuel Forbes. Really interesting corner for Ann out there in the SEC for Mississippi State. Six foot, 180 pounds. He's long. He's lean. He's cut, high cut. He's got these long limbs. He's really fast. He's twitched up. When you just put him side by side, as I did on Twitter, he looks a lot like Ahmad Gardner. Mm. And the way he plays is a lot like Ahmad Gardner, too. Now, Ahmad Gardner, you know, he's a 4-3 corner. That's also 6-3 and tough and ball skills. Those types don't grow on trees. They don't come out every year. But aside from just that 6-3 profile, Emmanuel Forbes does a lot of similar things. So I see no wasted movement when he changes directions. His excellent ball skills. Just look at all his plays on the ball. 14 interceptions, 17 PBUs in his three-year career. All those pick sixes as well. Some of them happened off tips. I mean, there's a play, Fran. He blitzed. He was a cat blitz. The ball got deflected back into the backfield, right into his hands. <laughs> pick six. One of the wackier pick sixes I've ever seen. Um, really aggressive to challenge catch windows. Take some chances. Take some risky angles. That's why he gets his hands on a lot of those passes. However, he's given up 14 touchdowns in his career. That's way too many. Now, just for perspective, Devin Witherspoon, he played four years at Illinois. He's given up five. Mm. You know, Joey Porter Jr. also played three years, just like Forbes. He's allowed it seven. So 14 is way too many. Now, is he facing higher-level receivers in the SEC? Absolutely. But that's no excuse. you got to clean that up. Um, He throws his body at ball carries. He's a willing tackler. Just poor technique. So he's got some missed tackle rates that need to clean up as well. So I think a little bit of a poor man, Sauce Gardner, a little bit of Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie, who was also a first-round pick coming out of Tennessee State. Long, lean, explosive ball skills. Um, Was a great player in this league for a long time. Some traits also similar to like a Dante Jackson coming out of LSU a few okay, years ago. Yeah, sure. You know, a little bit lean, twitched up. You know, you have some tackling issues and some things like that. But this Emmanuel Forbes, he's a young kid. Uh, I believe he just turned 22 years old last week in January 13th. So I'm really excited to uh, to study him more and see where he stacks up. I think he's a first-round corner all day long. I, I have not studied him yet. And just for a peek behind the curtain, you know, basically the, during this stretch of time over the last, like, you know, several weeks, I've been focusing more on the senior class, Shrine Bowl guys, senior bowl guys. Obviously not going to the Shrine Bowl this week with the Eagles having an NFC title game uh, on Sunday. If the Eagles lose on Sunday, I will be a f- on a flight to Mobile on Monday morning along with uh, Gabriella DiGiovanni just to cover the Senior Bowl if the Eagles win. Obviously, we will not be making that trip uh, down to the, su- the Senior Bowl, but we will still have some coverage. Uh, Dane will be down there. We'll be checking in with him pretty regularly next week. But uh, after the Senior Bowl is when then that's when I start getting more into these top juniors, and that's when I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to getting into like Emmanuel Forbes and you know Mozzie Smith. Smith and yep. some of these other big name juniors that have declared for the Yeah, there's a bunch of corners in that group. You know, Joey Porter, Keely Ringo, yep. you know, some guys like that. But Emmanuel Forms, you know, interesting player in that he didn't have a whole lot of offers coming out of high school. He was like Memphis, L.A. Monroe, and Nebraska. But, you know, DB coach at Mississippi State, Terrell Buckley. 
he finds some gems out there, and they've been pumping him to the NFL, whether it was like, you know, quietly a Martin Emerson last year. Cam Dantzler was obviously a high yeah. prospect two years ago. Mississippi State, you know, maybe lacking some win totals lately. There's some high-level defensive backs, high-level D linemen coming out of that program every mm, year. Yep. They pump some NFL players. All right, well, let's get into our mock draft roundup here as we uh, take a look at Mel Kuyper's first mock draft of the 2023 calendar year uh, over at ESPN. It dropped on Wednesday. Here's how the top five went here, Ben. you got Chicago Bears taking Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter, the Houston Texans taking Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud, the Arizona Cardinals selecting pass rusher Will Anderson from Alabama, the Colts getting Bryce Young, and then the Seahawks getting quarterback Will Levis. So he is the fifth wheel here in this mock draft, again, with uh, with Carter, Anderson, C.J. Stroud, and Bryce Young. So Will Levis uh, goes at uh, number five here. Thoughts on how the top five went on, in this mock draft? Yeah, those are our boggle five, yep. and it's just shaking them up. And, um, I, you know, I like this order. C.J. Stroud is my quarterback one. I don't see that changing. It was through the football season. I expected to be through the spring, so I like seeing him go first in the pecking order. I think it would be a great pick for the Houston Texans there. And then nice to see uh, Will Levis, who I don't think will be ready to play but if you can lock up Gino for an extra year or two maybe sit him and develop him behind the scenes I really like that fit Bryce Young in Indy that's exciting too your uh, your boggle board I'm trying to think of a good analogy here got turned into like a, a would it be like a scrabble bag yeah, that's not bad. You, right. you know what's in there. You know, yeah. you know what's in there, but it's in, but it's uh, all over the place yep. because uh, there are some names in this mock draft that is, are not typically in mock drafts, and that is not going against Mel Kuyper. That is a, we need to know more about some of these names yep. here coming down the pipe, and it started with the Eagles pick at number and 10. And let's just really quick dive into Mel Kuyper's process yeah. for a second. This isn't a guy that's sitting there scouring tape on a nightly basis. That's not his niche. That's not his angle. It's never been. So he's someone that's very plugged into team needs, philosophies, and what he's hearing from agents, scouts, and front offices. So he's very tuned in, one of the more dialed-in draft analysts out there. But this isn't someone that's studying all 22 and discovering these players on his own. So when Mel Kuyper speaks about some of these players, it's important to know a lot of this is ripples and echoes from the NFL and front offices. So it's not that it's right or wrong process. This is his niche, and he's pretty good at it. Yeah, no question. He's been doing it for a long, long time. And that's why when he says, hey, at number 10, the Philadelphia Eagles selecting Pitt defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi. Your ears perk up and say, like, all right, like we got to learn more. Make sure we throw a little bit more respect uh, at Kalijah Kansi in this pre-draft process. Now, here's the blurb from Mel. The Eagles, one of the NFL's best four teams, gained this first rounder from New Orleans last year, and now they have a chance to add a premium prospect to their loaded roster. They don't have many current needs, but they do have several decisions to make in free agency, including whether to bring back defensive lineman Fletcher Cox, Robert Quinn, Brandon Graham, and Javon Hargrave. Let's use this pick to help them get younger. Kansi's 2022 tape is extremely... Extremely impressive, and I moved him way up my big board. He wreaked havoc the past two seasons, racking up 13 and a half sacks when lined up as a defensive tackle, the most in the country. At six foot, 280 pounds, he's undersized, but so was former pit tackle Aaron Donald. To be clear, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's still pretty good. We know Philadelphia general manager Howie Roseman invests heavily in the defensive line, and Cansey would fit next to 2022 first rounder Jordan Davis. So, Ben, again, we don't know that Clyde Kansas is going to go top 10. We don't know that he's going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles number 10. 
But this is a guy that was not in like any mock drafts at all for nope. the most part. We have not seen Klaja Kansi in a lot of you know big name NFL draft analysts mock drafts. I think that will probably change uh, here in the few in the coming weeks. So we will start to see that trend change a little bit. Uh, but your thoughts on Klaja Kansi being a first round pick here in this draft? Well, he does one thing exceptionally, exceptionally well, and that's get upfield and get quarterbacks from the interior defensive line position, which we all know ruins offenses and is extremely valuable and it, and it's. Hard Hard to find. So for as much as a, let's just call him a one-dimensional player right now for all intents and purposes, as much as we talk about what he can do in the pass rush, it's the same conversation to have when Vita Veas are coming out. Right. Where all they're doing is run plugging. You're saying, oh, can we take him in the top 10 if he doesn't rush the passer? This is the countering conversation. It's the opposite of, of Jordan Davis last year. No question. Now, I think we need to get rid of the Aaron Donald conversation. I know he's undersized, under tackle, and he went same to helmet. pit. Yep. Let's throw that out. Yep. All right. There's other guys that have produced, whether it's Sheldon Rankins. We've seen Mike Daniels come in at six foot, 280. You know, Gino, Gino, Jarrett, Gino, Gino Atkins. Atkins yep. uh, Puna Ford was. Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and wasn't drafted. Seattle took him undrafted, and he's a really nice professional. Uh, Adam Butler was a name that I wrote down while watching Kansas yep. this Sheldon summer. Day. There's yep. a couple other undersized that have survived, but where do you pull the trigger in the draft on these players? Kansi is an exceptional pass rusher, but he's probably going to come in at 5'11 and change, just like Puna Ford, probably 285, maybe 290 with some rocks in his pocket. Will somebody be willing to pull the trigger on that in the yeah. first round? I say yes all day long, friend. Mm. Now, he won't be for every team, won't be for every scheme, won't be for every defensive coordinator, and you can't ask him to do everything right away. But if you're looking for a situational pass rusher that you know what you're getting on a well-built defensive line or a defensive line room, I think this is a a, pl- a pick and a player to absolutely consider. And I know it's crazy saying a 5'11", 280-pound defensive lineman this is the opposite conversation of the nose tackles that don't rush the passer yep. that we've seen go in the top 10 at times. Uh, there was a, a really interesting point made by uh, Robert Mays and Nate Tice um, and Bill Barnwell over on the Athletic Football Show this week, and they were talking about just the takeaways from the final four teams in the NFL mm-hmm. and talking about the the if you look at the top five of t- the top five teams in the league in terms of cap dollars allocated towards defensive line, all f- four of the top five are in the final four. Wow. So it's the it's the Eagles, Niners, Chiefs, and Bengals are in that top. You don't five. remember who that fifth team was? I believe it was the New York Jets. Interesting. Uh, who, okay. Uh, who yes. I, yeah. Spent a lot, of, as well. a lot of money on um, uh, Carl Lawson. And, and stuff. the the whole point is that uh, it, that first of all that doesn't also it also doesn't count the fact that you have a number of guys like Bosa, Jordan Davis. Right. You, go, you know, <clears> you go through the rest of that group. We have Karlaftis that are on rookie deals that were yeah. high picks. Right. That doesn't even count those because you know those those contracts haven't really uh, hit their peak yet. So these are teams that clearly place a lot of value along the defensive line, and it's not just about the first four guys. It's about the that second wave of players. So even if you look at Klaja Kansi and say, yeah, I don't know if he's a, a starter, a three-down player, and again, there's a difference in saying he's the 10th overall pick versus the 28th pick, but uh, you might look at him in the 28th pick and say, yeah, maybe he comes off the bench, but he is a demon off the bench and an impact player for us in a lot of crucial situations. Yeah, and reflecting that forward as a fit here, I think from a pass rushing perspective, you're probably getting a slightly more juiced up Javon Hargrave. Right. Now, the downside of that, Hargrave is 310 pounds coming out. Big lower half. Can anchor against those double teams. Can play on early downs. Can cancy. 
we've seen it come and go. So I think that's where it differs just a little bit. All right, well, let's talk through some of the guys that are still going on the board, off the board rather, uh, in that area. At number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders selecting tackle Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. The Atlanta Falcons at number eight, taking Clemson pass rusher Miles Murphy. And the Carolina Panthers get a quarterback at number nine. That is Anthony Richardson from the University of Florida. Eagles take Kansi at 10. Who are the three right after? Ohio State left tackle Paris Johnson goes to the Titans. Iowa defensive lineman Lucas Van Ness goes at number 12 to the Houston Texans. And Jackson Smith and Jigba goes to the New York Jets at number 13. So, um, Ben, your biggest surprise uh, from those uh, from those six picks there? It would probably be Lucas Van Ness, who is finding his way into the top half of a lot of these mock drafts. He's like a it's like a folk legend at this point. He never started a game at Iowa, but he's a, he's got all these stories and... Um, kind of mystical traits about him. He's a powerful player, can play inside, outside. I just don't know the Houston Texans walking out. I love the C.J. Stroud, but then a Van Ness. I want offense, offense. Mm. I want a receiver. I want some O-line help. Let's start lighting up this scoreboard down in Houston. So I think Van Ness will be a nice piece, and believe me, they need some D-line help. I just think prioritizing, let's get some offensive firepower around C.J. Stroud. How many Jets games did you do this year? Uh, with four, CBS, you did four. four. Yeah. Would uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, surprise you? Uh, you considering what they have on that roster right now, like uh, you know, knowing the help that they need. You, you know, couldn't get them all on the field for the time being. Yeah, right. Braxton Barrios playing over Denzel Mims yep. and over Elijah Moore, and oh yeah, you drafted Garrett Wilson, and then you like your multiple tight end sets with Uzama that you got in free agency, and Tyler Conklin, and oh, you want the multiple backs out there because you like those pony sets with Michael Carter and uh, Brees Hall. Means like, the receivers got to come off the field. No question. Yeah. So we're running out of room and snaps for these guys. Yeah, that was, that was my uh, biggest surprise. But there. obviously they're projecting Elijah Moore probably on the way out, Denzel Mims probably that would on change, the way That out. would change the picture. Yeah, yes. there's probably some some movements that would create this need. All right, well, let's take a look at the Eagles' next selection. It comes at number 30 in this mock draft. So Mel has the Eagles losing the Super Bowl, so uh, we could talk through that. Uh, but uh, the uh, the pick here for the Eagles at number 30, safety Brian Branch from Alabama. So this is a big one uh, that you, you and I would be fans of here, Ben. Uh, let's, take, let's take a look at the blurb from Mel. Philadelphia made a preseason trade to acquire safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson, but he had such a great season that he might be too expensive for the Eagles to bring back. In that case, this pick is the best like-for-like replacement. Branch can play as a slot corner or as a deep center fielder, filling Gardner-Johnson's shoes. Branch is my top-ranked safety, and he'll be a cornerback on some teams' boards. I projected the Eagles to add a defensive tackle with the number 10 pick, and injecting this defense with young talent should be their offseason priority. So, Ben, um, Mel is not the only person in the last like week or so that I have heard say Brian Branch is going to be great as a corner on some boards. I know that Bucky Brooks listed him that way. He mocked one of the Green Bay Packers, I believe, in his mock draft earlier this week. Daniel Jeremiah said that Branch will be viewed by some as a corner. So what are your thoughts? You and I both love Brian Branch, the player, but your thoughts on that viewpoint that he could be listed as a corner for some teams? Yeah, I think we've been echoing that most of the season. He kind of represents the Dax Hill type of prospect in this draft that is so versatile, athletic, tough, strong. You could play him and project him and kind of envision him at playing any of the, the back five or maybe six spots in that defense. We've seen him play some dime linebacker as well for Alabama. I just feel like he's NFL ready to play for that kind of versatile sub-package league that this is. Whether you want to play him low in that nickel spot, want to play him in a half field, you probably play single high for you, and go stick him at corner like you had just mentioned. I think it's an exciting projection. It seems like he's... uh, on top of the mountain right now as far as nickel safeties in this class. All right, so here are the six players that went right off the board, right around, off the board, right around that same slot. Uh, the four that went off the board just before the Eagles pick and then one to 31 right afterwards. At 25, the New York Giants take USC 
wide receiver Jordan Addison. At number 26, the Dallas Cowboys select Texas running back Bijan Robinson. The Buffalo Bills at number 27 take Auburn pass rusher Derek Hall. At 28, the Cincinnati Bengals take tight end Dalton Kincaid from Utah. At 29, the Denver Broncos select pass rusher Isaiah Foskey from Notre Dame. The Eagles were then, then go on and take Branch at 30. At 31, the Kansas City Chiefs take Boston College wide receiver Zay Flowers. So, Ben, of those six selections, which one is uh, – I asked you this question last week, and I really like it. I'll probably continue to ask, him, ask you this one as we're at this early stage of the draft process. Which teams sign up for that pick right now? So we say like, hey, you know what? That's great value. This guy probably go a little bit higher or it's going to fill a huge need. Uh, which one signs up for that today on January, what's it, the 26th? Uh, January 26th. Well, I would say sign me up for it last week because that would be Derek Hall, Auburn yeah. pass rusher, yeah, the Buffalo right. Bills. And watching that Bengals game, I just felt like the Bills needed more help on that defensive line. Obviously, Do you think that Hall is that kind of player? Or like in terms of like that, that high of a pick? I don't I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he's a day two player, but I think a team like the Buffalo Bills that are obviously a contending team for, right? that yeah. you need some defensive line help. And I think there's a little bit of an indictment on some of the draft picks from Brandon Bean over the past few years. I think Rousseau took a nice step, but Boogie Basham in the second round, AJ Epinesa in the second round, you need some more firepower. If you're gonna live in nickel as they do at ninety five percent of snaps and you know Teron Johnson's a nice nickel, maybe that's the spot to upgrade. I don't know if you saw the Bengals motion and then pretty much run their tackle on a power right at Teron right Johnson. At yeah, right. You know, it's just too easy to attack a team that plays light in the box with a light nickel. I want to see more defensive line firepower. I'm thinking that firepower needs to come from the interior. Mm. Maybe upgrade the Tim Settles, upgrade the Ed Olivers. Unfortunately, I don't think that really worked out being yeah. a top end of the first round type of pick. So I think the defensive line really needs to kind of be put under the microscope here. They lost uh, Harrison Phillips to the Vikings in free agency. That group needs some help. We all like Milano and Edmonds. Need to play some more base or get some more dudes up front. And that's going to start with drafting better dudes. You just said Ed Oliver, and that brought me back to the Klaja Kansi conversation. There you go. That was a, that's a that's really, another good that's one. That's a really good one. It yeah. went that high in the draft. I mean, they went super high in the draft. You think the Bills uh, reflect, you know, three years, four years later on, was that a home run pick? I think they, uh, they're they a little disappointed right now. Ed Oliver, very unique player at Houston, a very unique player with his usage in the pros. Um, but, yeah, can't see. That's an interesting case study. Also reflecting back to last week, uh, I think the Giants would love to have a receiver like Jordan Addison uh, on their <laughs> yeah. roster. I think that would that would help them in a big way to get some more talent there. Uh, on the offensive side of the football, I think they would sign, for, sign yep, up for that one That's as a well. great pick. Um, all right, so a lot of guys, including including Cansey, uh, appearing on this list that caught our eye on a positive note. Always exciting uh, just to see new names pop up uh, in these mock drafts. Uh, even if we don't necessarily see it happening, it's always just kind of exciting and new to talk about. Uh, who's a player that stands out to you from that standpoint? It was nice to see Thule, Thule Piloto yeah, uh, we haven't seen coming to the mocks. first round there. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, 21st overall to the Chargers. Great pick for that Chargers team that I think can use a little bit more of an inside-outside type of juice. Mm. I think you could play some heavy stand-up edge and then slide into three tech and some sub packages so i think the chargers need to get better on that defensive front obviously have bosa have mac need some other pieces in there this kid's a really strong player he's about 290 pounds not a whole lot of pass rush moves he just goes right through you very very powerful he wants to knock your ac joint out of your shoulder when he's rushing the passer can play off the edge play inside and really productive season for usc 
I'm going to go with a similar kind of player. Uh, Keon White at number 19 yep. to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Another inside-outside defensive lineman from Georgia Tech. Um, he's going to the Senior Bowl next week. I'm excited about this kid. I, right now, I have him as like a top 30, top 35 type of player in the class. Um, and just, so to see him at number 19 going in the top 20 here to the Bucks, uh, I can definitely see that happening. And I think we'll probably get a little bit more buzz about that as we get to Mobile next week. Yeah, he should have a lot of buzz. Interesting story. Converted tight end from Old Dominion earlier in his career. Where he's like 230 pounds. Yep. Now apparently pushing 285, yep. good hulking muscle. Apparently going to be a freak tester uh, yes. in India in a few weeks. So hope he can uh, start this whole uh, off-season journey right at the Senior Bowl. I made uh, I made the comparison wa- like right away watching him. Like okay, he's my Milton Williams this year, nice. and Milton okay. Williams uh, was a similar kind of player. And um, you know he was a junior who declared, so didn't get the Senior Bowl. Uh, blew up the combine, or no, that wasn't even a combine that year. So right. blew up the pro day yeah. that year, uh, and that's where the buzz really started to pick up. And he ended up being a third round pick. Yep. I, I, my my guess is that White will go higher uh, when it's all. I need to done. dive into him. A few people just uh, got in my ear saying that he's uh, he was a wild player. Uh, most interesting player team situational fit uh, for me, and this is going to be a big one just because there's so much up in the air right now. Uh, Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU, going to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, we don't know what that offense is going to look like. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Uh, so. You know, if Lamar's back, does it make sense? You know, more sense or less sense to add Quentin Johnson? I, I don't know. It's going to be it's interesting. the craziness and the lunacy of doing mock drafts. You know, right. in January, you haven't hit free agency yet. Like with all, some teams all that have so change. much up in the air, like that. That's that. It's always a tough one. But that yeah. one, I think, in particular, is like, yeah, that one is. It's going to be a difficult one to project. Yeah, you know, put me down for the uh, exciting double dip at defense for the Detroit Lions, mm. getting Tyree Wilson in the top ten, and then circling back and getting Christian Gonzalez. What are you, so Dane, I think, had Christian Gonzalez going to them at number six. So that, like, again, yeah. uh, there's you know a lot Put of me variety down for that in that because yeah. I'm a little lower on Tyree Wilson than some others. I think he's more of a Diedrich Wise, Charles Menahu type, which are good players. But I think if you draft him in the top ten, you may be. Uh, you know, wanting a little bit more out of him. But I think he's a strong player, versatile player, just won't be that sexy 20-sack type of guy, but a good run defender and things like that. And a Christian Gonzalez, great fit, opposite of Akuda. Need to improve that defense. You need to improve the back end and improve the defensive line. Getting there with, you know, uh, McNeil and Aiden Hutchinson and the uh, James Houston kid. You know, Malcolm Rodriguez looks like a good piece. I like seeing the Detroit Lions. I think uh, Dan Campbell's there for another year. They got the OC back. I'm a fan of that team. Uh, while it is very exciting to talk about new players and the new new uh, insertions into mock drafts, when that happens, my mind goes to who's missing. Somebody and got bumped out. You're you're really good at tracking uh, who who got bumped out. So uh, there was one name that stood out, uh, Kaylee Ringo. That was one that was not on oh, the okay. mock draft. That wasn't even on that, my list. Yeah, yeah. That, that was one that stood out. I didn't, I, unless I'm wrong, it's I don't think I saw. That way. Yeah, it's I don't trending, think I saw Kaylee yeah. Ringo on that mock draft. Um, and he's been in the top ten of a lot of mocks. Yep. Uh, but uh, who stood out to you? Who was a name or two that and was And it's a good corner off? class. On uh, any other year, Ringo I think is a first round pick all day long. I just think this. There's starting to be four or five, six corners that are like worthy of leapfrogging him, and it's trending that way. But a couple guys, no Jameer Gibbs, yep. which, you know, a lot of people have him as a fringe first rounder. Could one of those playoff contenders add them to their backfield? How about Bijan to Dallas, by the way? Right. You know, that's so a, that's interesting. What happens there? Is Tony Pollard gone? Right. So I, I would love like a Jameer Gibbs to like a uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, let's say they lose P. Ryan in free agency, add him with a Joe Mixon. That's a great one-two punch yep. with Joe Burrow. They but, love to use their backs in the past game. Yeah, and then a couple uh, a couple picks that are uh, some Dabo shade. You know, uh, those Clemson Tigers falling out of the first round. Mm. No Trenton Simpson, yep. who was kind of a darling hybrid outside linebacker safety type. Uh, I think some projections and usage will vary depending on who you ask. And then Brian Brezzi. 
flying oh, out of the yeah. first round too. Shoot, you're right. Which some very respected people I talk to are a little down on him too, with the injury history, some stiffness. Um, maybe doesn't have that upfield playmaking ability you want, but yep. strong, strong as an ox type of guy. Some guys think you're getting a Jeffrey Simmons. Mm. Some think you're just getting a early down run defender. So I think they're all over the place right now, and I think that's trending that way. That he's kind of dipping himself out of that first round. No, Brezzy. That's, I don't even think about that. I, yeah, yep. I was looking to see where Ringo was, and I didn't see him. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few. I, I like Brezzy. Yeah. I'm a Brezzy guy. I'm a, I'm a, me too. I'm yeah. a Brezzy guy. I as actually well. just challenged someone on the phone the other day that said he was too stiff. I said, no, he's got some range to him. That stiffness is just power. You know, don't get it confused. You can't be everything. You can't be powerful and a brick all the time. So. Um, or powerful and loose and range. Yeah, yeah, no right. question. So I think he's definitely in that next wave interior defensive lineman. Someone's going to like him, I think, in the teens. All right. Well, uh, Ben, this has been fun as always. Uh, again, as a to kind of reiterate, we don't know as we're sitting here recording this on Thursday morning what our coverage will be of the Senior Bowl next week. I can assure you that uh, you'll get at least a couple episodes from us next week here on the show. We're going to we're going to catch him with Dane. Dane Brugler. I think is by the time this is posted, will already be in Mobile, Alabama. So uh, Dane will be. Uh, boots on the ground down there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, depending on the Eagles' outcome on Sunday, uh, Ella and I will be down there. If not, then uh, we're going to check in over the course of the week and see who's standing out uh, at the practices. We're going to talk with Jim Nagy earlier in the week as well to kind of set the table uh, just like we did here with Eric uh, in this episode for the Shrine Bowl. So uh, stay tuned for more right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.